0: Hello and welcome to Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking, welcome one and all to the greatest podcast I've ever made, or at least top two, it's great to be here with you, welcome to any new listeners we might have, the numbers are growing guys, I don't know what to say, you're telling your friends, you're spreading the word, thank you for doing that, please continue, if you you like the podcast, tell somebody, tell two friends, get them to tell two friends, suddenly I have six listeners. And is that the correct mass? If you if you tell two friends, okay, here we go. You tell you, there's one of you. You tell two friends. Suddenly there's three. Do I discount you? We'll count to three, and then each of them tell two. There's four more, seven. So I was six. If I didn't count you, welcome to the basic mathematics podcast. Uh, it, do you guys know, because it's just been the HSC, every year the HSC comes out and the City Morning Herald publishes the most difficult math question in this year's paper, and this is the level of self-belief, like just just totally unfounded self-belief I have is despite having not looked at calculus for about a decade, I'm like, oh, I reckon I can sort this out. I'm going to I'm gonna have to account an hour of company of time towards trying to work out, you know, trying to remember trigonometry for the first time does anyone at my office have a scientific calculator I could borrow? I need to do an inverse tangent calculation. Um, it seems like I'm doing everything I can just to lose everybody. I've, I've New listeners, it's not always like this. It's usually more accessible. Uh, I'm back in Sydney. The first podcast recorded in my home for a couple of weeks. We had... Uh, the, 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 the motel in Albury, um, an episode not totally proud of. All right, well, I can, I can admit that I'm big enough. I've taken on the feedback. I've moved on. I took it to, or did I do the next one at home? Or was I in, where was I? I was somewhere I fucking nailed it. I really killed, oh, Gold Coast. Gold Coast, great app. Gold Coast, despite the audio quality, straight into an iPhone, still pretty good app. Uh, followed it up the following week with one in Nambucca, Still pretty pretty decent, I think, and we're bringing it home, literally and metaphorically, at my house in Sydney. It's going to be a big one. This is going to be, despite the way it's gone so far, it's going to be huge. We're going to have a great time during this episode. I can feel it. Um, Came back on Monday, well, Sunday at midnight. Got back in from Newcastle. Saturday night. Saturday night, we were uh in nambucca still we got back from the gig that we'd done in bellingen bellingen a great gig by the way we performed in this place which was was so funny it was like a pretty fancy looking uh, boutique restaurant that had basically at the back what looked like a, a country chapel like, apparently they use it for weddings a lot and uh, boy could you tell a significant difference between the people who were there for dining and the people who were there for comedy. There was a big sign out the front that said, dinner bookings totally full. And then a little line at the bottom said, comedy tickets still available. So, you know, dinner still had top billing at this particular restaurant in this evening. And uh, well, I'll put it this way. Amongst the diners, far fewer dreadlocks. And I think the people who... I don't know if you guys know about Bellingen. Bellingen's like a hippie town. I think Bellingen is sort of like meant to be what Byron was in terms of like a, a lot of people who uh, have been into spiritual healing before their divorce. That kind you know, like the people who, who have been into crystals from the get-go, not in response to a midlife crisis, which I think is, as we spoke about last week, the difference between new Byron and old Byron. Yeah. People move to Byron today uh, because their family fell apart and uh, they've decided to actively seek out uh, a yogi to marry. The difference between people who are looking for a cult and those born into one. I think that's the big difference. And Bellingen is very much going that way. There's a lot of a, a lot of a lot of free love, big hippie population in Bellingen, but also uh, a lot of people who had a lot of money when COVID happened and went fuck this. There's nothing for me in the city. I'm moving to somewhere. Vaguely coastal, rural, regional something. Um, and uh, so you, you had a lot of like, in the dining area, 50 to 60-year-old kind of waspy, middle to upper class white people. But my parents, basically. My parents, if they were a little bit more adventurous in the dining area and um, in the comedy a lot of people who went out of their way to wear shoes for the occasion for, I'm guessing, the first time in a while. A lot of very dirty dreadlocks in that room, amongst amongst others. Not exclusively, but they were. And they, to be fair to them, they were great. Awesome audience. Um, I did great. I knew Dan was going to do great, so I left so I didn't have to deal with that. Um, and then I could tell myself that I did you know, unusually well, which was just strictly not true. Everyone did great. Including Ben uh, Stevenson, who uh, ran all of the gigs in and around Coffs Harbour. Coffs Comedy, um, really great establishment. We did three awesome gigs in and around Coffs Harbour in Coffs, Bellingen, and Woolguga, uh, Or Whoopi, as I've learned it's been called for some reason. Um, check them out. Coffs Comedy, Ben Stevenson, does a great job. So w- we finish the gig in Bellingen. We get back to our place in Nambucca and... Uh, my favourite Saudi Arabian sporting organisation, Newcastle United, uh, were playing at 1am. This is my Premier League team, for those who uh, might be new to the podcast, my, my Premier League team who are doing extremely well due to an injection of rather significant and very bloody cash into the organisation. We've, we've spent it well, you know. The, the source, the input might be questionable, but the output is indisputable. We have done well with that dirty, dirty money. And uh, and I say we, I've only, this is actually very questionable, I've only really started supporting Newcastle United since the Saudis got involved. It's kind of like someone who didn't really care for golf until Live Golf came around and thought, well, now's as good a time as any uh, to get on board with the alternative tour. We, we butchered Aston Villa's defense the way the Saudi Arabian government butchers some of their journalists. It was an absolute display. 4-0, they did so well, but I stayed up for the game. I, I don't know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. There's something about watching sports live, which is such a better experience, like knowing that it's happening in real time, you can't just skip to the end or check the result. But was it worth only having three hours sleep that night? Certainly not. Because some people who are road hardened and just generally a little bit more tough than I am. I, we've been through this in the podcast before. I can withstand very little. I have almost no inner fortitude whatsoever, never had to overcome anything. Um, some people, some people live on like two hours' sleep a night, whether that's because they have they're nursing a child or a drug dependency. They just operate at that level and more power to them because I have, I have half a bad night's sleep um, and, God, my, my week is a write-off. Uh, i got to start hiding all the sharps in the house just in case I get a little bit carried away with, with the, a little case of the sads. And, um, boy, was Sunday a fucking struggle. We had to be up at 8. I think I went to bed at 4. No, it happened to be up at seven? We had a bit out at eight? I don't know. I, I think I got about three or four hours sleep, and then we were straight in the car, four-hour drive to Newcastle. We get to Newcastle at one. The gig is at seven, and I ha- we don't have anywhere to stay. And I know this doesn't sound like a big deal, and, it is, and possibly because it's not. Uh, <laughs> but also, it felt like a big deal to me, and... If it feels like it to me, I don't know if you really need to know any more, I, I think. Who, who is the judge as to what is a big deal, if not uh, the person at the centre of the universe? That being uh, Tom Whitcomb, host of Show Some Respect. Tom Whitcomb's talk, thanks for tuning in. We get to Newcastle. I've never in my life before, last Sunday, walked past a public park, seen someone asleep in it and envied them. I was like, I wish I lacked the amount of self-respect necessary to stay awake in a public park because, oh, that guy is living my best life right now. The sun was out, you know, his his head was gently resting on an inflated goon bag. And I thought, boy, if only, if only I could do that without just ruminating on what went wrong to, to end up in that position. So, um, I don't know whether people get like this because I uh, am prone to uh, self-diagnosed anxiety—the best kind of anxiety, the one that no medical professional has identified whatsoever—the uh, Generation Y form of mental illness, the the, the kind that Google prescribes a, a solution to, um, you know, the kind of mental illness that that seems to be cured exclusively um, by cold showers and Joe Rogan podcasts, and I. Uh, when I get in that mood, making a decision is just impossible. I just I was like, what should I eat? Should I eat anything? Should I have a coffee? Should I have a beer? Do I want to watch this? Do I get my laptop out? Should I do work? Then I, after sifting through so many options, I decided I'm going to go see a movie. The thought being a movie will at least keep me mentally preoccupied for two hours the idea of having six hours of nothing to do while in a self-diagnosed anxious state that's dangerous that's that's dangerous in a in a location with as many cliff faces as newcastle does so i um i decided to go and see a film all right so i look up and this was its own fucking nightmare of like, which cinema do we go to? Do I get a bus there? Or Do I ask Dan for? Do I do I get Dan to give me a lift? Do I get an Uber? I, unnecessarily difficult the way that I've made this for myself, and um, so I get to the cinema, and I and I have a few choices. I could see Black Adam. No amount of white guilt could make me go see Black Adam. I see what they're trying to do with that title. It didn't work. All right, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has earned more than enough of my money between the Jumanji franchise and uh, that WWF cardboard cutout I bought when I was 12. There's just no, there's no way The Rock's getting any more of my sweet cash. So that, that's out. And then I'm thinking about the uh, woman king. Um, I don't know why they didn't use the term queen. But no, the woman king, which is again a story of a female African warrior Decided against that as well. I decided to go and see. Don't worry, darling. Everyone I've spoken to about this has no idea what this film is about, but knows that Harry Styles is in it, and he was fucking the director. And I think that's where most people's knowledge, and for for a lot of people, that is enough to be like, "Yep, yeah, I'll see that." Um, the director, by the way, Olivia Wilde. I don't know if is that more or less disrespectful to not mention who she is. Probably more. Dis- I don't know why I would think it would be less disrespectful Um, but I also should point out just in case you heard director and assumed it was a man as I had for a long time Uh, but no it was Harry Styles Florence Pugh who apparently is an excellent actress who also I've never heard of before Christopher Pine who I also name meant nothing to me but then I saw him, I'm like oh yeah yep sure Um, it had 36% on Rotten Tomatoes and that was almost enough for me just to call it quits it's amazing the amount of it's amazing the amount of um weight and uh, reverence we pay to reviews for people we've never met and have nothing to do with but i don't know i don't know why I, I it was i was in this weird situation where i was leaning towards seeing a movie i had no interest in but had good reviews over one, I was actually genuinely quite curious about and had just been panned. And I think it's important to remember in all respects um, music, television, film, comedy, especially that critics and reviewers are um, subhuman. Is that too harsh? Is that too. What are you. I can't imagine dedicating my entire life to criticism. I mean, now granted, is that what this podcast is in a roundabout way? Perhaps this podcast is just one long criticism of things that no one asked for reviews of uh, and with no number score given at the end. Although now we do the three, two, one. Actually, I guess there technically is a number score at the end. Let me change my tact. Re- criticism is only valid when coming from me. And so that's why I'm giving you guys my review of Don't Worry Darling. So you don't have to pay attention to these uh, bitter, stupid... Um, entitled film professionals and instead can take your, take your recommendations from me, a guy with a podcast. Um, Don't worry, darling. I thoroughly enjoyed it to be honest uh, without giving too much away. um, Worth the price of admission alone, just to see an alternative reality where Harry Styles is uh, gross and, I'm. What, I i can not say too much without giving the whole thing away. But you'll. You if you see that film, you see what I mean. There is a good ten minutes where Harry Styles uh, becomes a real like not. And I don't mean um, in terms of his values or his ethics or morals. Like who cares about that? I'm talking about what really counts. What's on the outside, uh, where where Harry Styles is just really unattractive through the magic of studio makeup. It's truly phenomenal what they what they can do. Uh, and that in of itself, worth it, worth it. That's in my mind. That's what Harry Styles looks like from now on. Um, after the movie, I was intrigued. because I was like, I kind of enjoyed that. Like, don't get me wrong. It wasn't the best film of all time, but I, ha- I had a good time. And uh, I thought oh, I'd be interested to know why Chris had it. So I listened to a podcast, and the podcast was entitled uh, "Is Don't Worry, Darling the Worst Film of the Year?" Because clickbait fucking works. And if you want evidence of that, here's this. I fucking clicked on it. And then listen to a 50-minute podcast of these two tossbag reviewers talking about this film, just analyzing it to death, to the, to the level it never deserved, a level of scrutiny just totally unnecessary. And look, did the film make sense? No. Was it consistent in its themes? Of course not. Were there parts of the film that made... Absolutely no difference to the overall vibe of the film and therefore probably were entirely unnecessary. Yes, of course there were. Does it mean I didn't like it? No. And if I liked it, it must be good. Hopefully they listen to this podcast and they get their head around that because it's just a bit embarrassing that they think their opinion based on years of film criticism and knowledge it somehow is more valid than the opinion that I came up with while talking for the last few minutes. Was it trying to make one claim about feminism throughout a lot of the film, and then all of a sudden that claim totally fell down because a part of the plot didn't line up with it? Yes, it did. But that's what happens when you let a woman direct, okay? <laughs> oh boy, there it is. There, there, there it is. Um, now, we we're, for the new listeners, guys... Go ahead and Google irony and uh, and and you will have the foundation of my entire career. A little, little bit more that's been happening in my world because, hey, why not? I went last night and I saw a band called Idols perform. Idols, a British punk rock band. Um, and boy, did I have a, a great time. Uh, now, they are a very, very, very... Left-leaning. I don't know if left-leaning is the right way. Being a punk band, they certainly had a lot of uh, a lot of feelings about politics, which I don't personally. I'm like, guys, I'm not here to hear your opinions. Just shut up and play, okay? Just just play the tunes, all right? I don't need to, I don't need to hear it, all right? I love punk rock as much as the next guy, but I, when you're playing punk, keep your ideas to yourself, okay? Uh, or at the very least, adhere to the status quo. There was quite a lot of um, a lot of chanting of, I don't want to say it on the pod because it's disrespectful, but F the King, which I thought was a little bit uncalled for, for our beloved monarch. Um, And uh, (laughs) there's one song they have uh, where the refrain in the chorus is, uh, the best way to scare a Tory is to read and get rich. And it's a great song, and I was belting it out the top of my lungs uh, and just really hoping... Nobody standing around me uh, in the mosh got a whiff of just how many times I've voted liberal in my short life because, you know, a lot of the establishment that they were riling up against is kind of um, the reason I have anything I've ever received in life. So, you know, political differences, but still, fuck, what a show. It was so good. It was such a great, like, it's very strange, like, I'm becoming both more liberal and punky. No, I'm not really punk. If you need evidence that I'm not a punk rocker, point to the use of the phrase punky. Oh, I wanted to slap myself. Punk rock. I'm not very punk rock, all right? But I'm li- I'm listening to it more... And I'm becoming less conservative as I get older. I'm like the Benjamin Button of conservative politics. Um, but... Uh, they, it's, these guys sing songs about toxic masculinity and rape culture and loving oneself and also look like every single one of them could beat the shit out of me and two friends. I hand select individually. I mean, one on three I don't know two people tough enough that I could invite in to back me up in a fight where they wouldn't still wipe the towel with all of us. And and uh, it's, it's, they're such a great band. They're so excellent. I had such a good time. They're so exciting, so entertaining, so tight. It just reinforced the thing that I've realized again and again and again, which is comedy is so much worse than music. Did I already talk about this when the Arctic Monkeys album came out? Comedy is so inferior to music. Music is so much better in every way. It's harder. They put more effort into it. My mate Ian put it well last night. No one at the end of a comedy show starts chanting, one more joke, one more joke. No, at the end of the comedy show, it's like, that's more than enough jokes. Thank you very much. You'd have to be, you, you imagine having the best joke you've ever written and keeping it in your back pocket when the show is finished just expecting them to call out for an encore you could never do that because comedy is very unimportant in the grand scheme like stand up comedy i would say very cuz cuz music can also be funny but music is also more meaningful it's like it's more skilled it takes oh, it's just so much better it's so much better comedians are so lucky we're not musicians Because the amount of effort musicians put into it... These guys were touring as a band for like 14 years before they made it. Uh, As a group of five or six... Five of them? Five of them all honing their instruments, writing songs, living on tour buses. See, this is the thing. There's a phrase that they say, all comedians wish they were musicians and all musicians wish they were comedians. And I think that is kind of true. But the reason comedians want to be musicians is because music is so much better. The reason musicians want to be comedians is mu- is co- comedy is so much easier. When you when when you talk to musicians, they're like, man, you don't have to wait for anybody. You don't have to worry about a gear breaking down. You don't have to find band members. You don't have to deal with a bass player. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy. That's why any of us make it. Because none of us had to work that hard to get there. Um, anyway. What a what, check out idols if you check them out on YouTube they got a they got a great performance from Glastonbury of a song called Don't F- Never Fight a Man with a Perm it's so good they're just like Constant professionals great musicians excellent performers big big fan bought a t shirt that's how much I liked it bought a t shirt and then immediately realized I didn't really have that money to spend but here we are while we're on the topic of entertainment uh, James Corden is having a fucking shocker at the moment isn't he isn't it great. James Corden is the nickelback of comedians in that he is so successful for somebody who on appearance only seems to have people who fucking hate him. Like the amount of discourse of people who just truly despise James Corden. There must be a silent majority of James Corden lovers just too cowardly to bring it up given the amount of shit he cops everywhere. He is, I mean, look, I I don't really have that big a problem with him, but he is just like, there's something about him. He's so Something about a smug, fat man is very, very triggering. And I think that is more of a comment on the types of men, smug, fat men who have existed in the past. They tend to be sex pests. And I don't think that's James Corden's issue, but he is, like, there's just something about him. He's very, like, just on the surface, quite unlikable. And then... He just keeps backing it up. So many stories of like people who've worked on his uh, film sets and stuff just getting totally blanked by him, of fans asking for photos and him just brushing them off entirely. There was the thing where he got banned from a restaurant after the other day for dressing down a waiter. Now, that's the one I will defend. Waiters uh, have had it too good for too long. And don't get me started on waitresses. They're getting tips and they're expecting to be treated well in addition to that come on, all right, you can't, you're already getting money for nothing. You know what You know what the price of a 10% tip is in the US? Um, whatever abuse I decide to, to hurl at you, okay, that's what you're going to have to cop. Um, and look, part of me kind of respects the fact that James Corden just evidently doesn't really give a shit. Like, he's never really made any attempt to be more likable, uh, and I kind of respect that. I kind of respect that where he's like, hey, you can hate me as much as I want. Still got a TV show. Fuck you guys. So, uh, hey, more power to him. But uh, but he's had this thing with uh, Ricky Gervais recently. I don't know if you've seen this, but um, he's been alleged to have stolen one of Ricky Gervais's jokes on his television show. Let's have a, a little bit of a listen, shall we? Because if someone puts up a poster in a town square that says guitar lessons available like you don't get people in the town go I don't want to play the guitar I want to play the piano you piece of that that that. that sign wasn't for you it was for somebody else you don't have to get mad about all of it all right that's James Corden's version of this joke told on his late night show earlier this week let's go back to 2018 and let's hear Ricky Gervais Say the exact same words in a slightly different British accent. That's like going into a town square, seeing a big notice board, and there's a notice, guitar lessons, and you go, but I don't want guitar lessons. (laughs) What's this? Uh, There's a number here. Right, call that, right? Are you giving me guitar lessons? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> isn't that interesting two incredibly easy well ricky gervais to be fair every bit as smug and fat as james corden and yet people seem to kind of love him you know what it is this is this has got to be it james corden pretends to be a nice guy ricky gervais at the very least, doesn't pretend to be a nice guy. If anything, probably pretends to be a prick, it seems like. <clears throat> like, James Corden's whole fun uncle singing in the car bullshit. As soon as you hear one story of like, oh, he uh, he yelled at a waitress, you're like, well, I don't know fucking anything about this guy anymore. I can't trust a word that comes out of his mouth. If Ricky Gervais yelled at a waitress, you know what most of us would be thinking? It was like, fuck, I bet that was funny. I bet he really got her good. I hope she was fat. (laughs) Then he really would have let her have it, wouldn't he? Well, so I've spent a lot of this podcast so far talking about myself, and that's what you're here for. You know, it's not called show some respect, we're all talking. It's a Tom Whitcomb's talking kind of thing. But before we call it a day, uh, I thought I'd just go through a little bit of top news happening out in the world. Um, now, granted, it's Thursday, the 3rd of November. This will only come out on Tuesday, the 8th of November. And by then, all of this news will be entirely pointless. In fact, you might look on back on it with a vague sense of nostalgia. Like, oh, that's right. Remember when those tigers... No, not tigers. Remember when those lions escaped from Taronga Zoo? And you're like, yeah, that happened six days ago. It's like, oh, man, we were so young. We, we Back then, we did... We still thought Ukraine was a real place. How much longer is that war going to go on for, by the way? I can't believe it's still... And we've all... You know, you'd think now that we've all lost interest that somebody would give up. One, it would make sense for one of us... We're like, look, whatever happens over there happens right now. We're just going to have to live with it. But um, a couple of big things happened in the world. Love this. Italy's far-right government has said it will make raves a criminal offence. People organising unauthorised parties in Italy could face up to six years behind bars and over $15,000 in fines. $15,000 Australian, that's, of course... Uh, 500 bags of cocaine for any rave fans listening. Um, Under proposals agreed to by the Italian government this week, it comes after Italian police brought an end to a two-day Halloween rave on Monday, which was held in an abandoned warehouse and attended by over a 1,000 people. The rave only ended after residents in Medina, a city in northern Italy, complained about 48 hours of non-stop techno music. Now, throwing rave organizers in prison is something that I think is objectively wrong but I am subjectively a huge proponent of you know I think it's not fair at all that people who throw raves should be imprisoned for that I don't think it deserves to be labeled as a crime but also my life would be better if raves stopped existing Um, or at the very least unencumbered but you gotta think for the most for the vast majority of us you know for those of us with um, loving families and productive jobs do we really need raves Anymore And now I know Good friend of the podcast uh, And recent father James Dunlop Is a big rave fan And um, You know You got a You got a child now James You need to grow the fuck up And stop going to raves Okay Um, I think this would be great For the epileptic population Not having to deal with Strobe lights and lasers Causing At least I'm going to say Surely One epileptic dies Because of a rave each year Surely I'm going to google that As if that exists On the internet But uh, let's have a look uh, uh, Sudden unexplained death in epilepsy Occurs roughly in one in four and a half thousand children um, These are the stories of 29 rave goes Who died of uh, drug overdoses Damn Damn So it seems like maybe the drugs are the problem mm. Well that, that really Puts a little bit of a hole in my I wanted to blame epilepsy but, uh, yeah, look, I think, um, you know, when it comes to banning raves and uh, far-right governments, I'm, I'm pro in both of those, both of those things. These Idols concert last night, by the way, this punk concert I was at, there was a, this one song where like, this song is an anti-fascist anthem, and, and a big proportion of the crowd went, yeah! I was like, fuck, guys, are we really virtue-signaling anti-fascism now? Do we think we were changing some minds? Like there's some guy with a Nazi patch on a on a military jacket in the middle of the mosh going, well, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, what else have we got in the news? Oh, I do like this. The federal government, the Australian federal government, has announced new taglines to replace the gamble responsibly warning in gambling ads. Now, gamble responsibly being placed at the end of 29 seconds of talking about how great gambling is. Apparently, apparently not working in quelling the number of people gambling their life savings away. Um, I mean, I'm shocked. Uh, I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I thought we'd fix this. I thought two words was going to fix this very complex neurological issue, uh, but apparently not. So here's what the new taglines are going to be at the end of gambling commercials. Chances are you're about to lose. Think. Is this a bet you really want to place? What's gambling really costing you? You win some, you lose more. What are you really gambling with? Um, and look, you know, I thought gambling responsibly was going to do the job, but in the absence of that, this should do it, I would say. You know, uh, let, let's, let's again, let's spend 29 seconds during an NRL game, let's spend 29 seconds pretty much every six minutes talking about how great gambling is and how it is the basis of most all-male friendships. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, pretty much every, oh, what's, is it Ladbrokes? It's one of them. it's all about how like hey do you need friends are you are you being crippled by loneliness well maybe a group betting account will sort it yes that is the best place to start this is one of these things like i'm i don't really like you're talking to somebody who uh who, who for a a period of time, uh, made ads for one of the biggest fast food manufacturers in the world. Um, And uh, for legal reasons, I'm going to leave it at that. Gambling is... I I would... uh, There's something about it. Like, I would almost rather sell cigarettes than gambling because gambling just ruins people's lives constantly. And also because um, smoking doesn't affect me, but gambling does. I'm, yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not very proud of this, but fuck, I've had to ban myself from pokies rooms. Not like I haven't had to call up and say, don't let me in, I'm not a fucking loser. But <laughs> no, it's, I, I'm, honestly though, like the last time I went to a pokies room, I just kept going back to the ATM. I didn't lose any uh, amount of money that I couldn't afford to lose because uh, I can afford to lose a lot. Things are going great for me. But um, still, it's like, there's something about that. It. It's hard. It's hard not to... It's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a. In fact, maybe oh, maybe one last slap couldn't hurt. I'm sure I can control it this time. What's what sport is on today? Is there any NBA? Is there any American football of which I know nothing about that I can uh, put an unnecessarily large bet on? We'll see. Uh, I'll I'll leave that. What about this man who wore Hitler costume for Halloween? Fired from his job. Well, political correctness is going mad, isn't it? This is the woke left telling us what we can and can't dress up on at our Halloween parties. All right. Unbelievable. Uh I yeah. Where do you get a Hitler costume? It, it, did he make it himself? Was it a real mustache? Uh, this is a problem. It's a it's behind a paywall. I would almost pay just to see the image of this guy. I want to know how much detail he put into this Hitler costume. Um like, is it just a khaki uniform with it with a big red circle written on the side, or did he go full out? Did he do full Hitler cosplay? Did he get a haircut? Did he grow a mustache? Um, and I don't know which would be better. Does, is a is a lackluster? Is it less offensive to dress up as Hitler if you put less effort into it, or more? Because arguably, putting less effort into it, it does show a level of disrespect to the Führer, one that I won't stand for. <laughs> No, but like, is it more justifiable? I think we need to, we need more details before we can really, uh, you know, make a call as to whether this guy should have kept his job or not. Um, but honestly, I don't know which way I'm leaning. This is a tough one. This is this is a tough one. Uh, raves sending ravers to prison—pretty cut and dry. Dressing up as Hitler for Halloween—each mm. to their own. I think each to their own. Um, and finally, cannabis use does not increase actual creativity, but does increase how creative you think you are. Um, now, presumably, this was a study that was conducted with most of my friends at university. Oh, including me. Yeah, okay. Yep, this, this all checks out. I, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast recently um, because, you know, you can take the man out of his 20s, but you can't take his 20s out of the man. And I was listening to it. There were these two kind of new new generation of comedians. They're both in their early 30s. And uh, Joe Rogan lights up a, a big blunt and hands it to one of them. And he's like, oh, no, nah, man, I can't do that. And Joe Rogan just falls straight into just fucking peer pressure mode. Don't be a pussy. It's, it's good. The anxiety is good for you. And the other one was like, no, nah, man, it's not really for me either. He's like, you guys are a couple of fucking... I mean, he was using every inch of self-determination in his body not to throw out the F word, but he was, that's what, you could see it behind his eyes. That's what was there. So there you have it. Cannabis does not make you more creative, just makes you think you are. Likewise, cocaine does not make you cooler and uh, acid doesn't make you any more able to fly. So there's the news for the week. Um, how about we we, we put, a, put a big old bow on this puppy and, uh, and lock it in a box before Christmas and uh, put far too few air holes in it. So, for you new listeners, the way we always wrap things up on Show sure Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb's talking, we, uh, we throw out a few few little points. We throw some points out. Uh, we, we, we have a little bit. I should have a leaderboard, although I have not given points out to the same person twice. So, it would be entirely redundant. But uh, it's based on the, uh, on the sporting model 3 2 1, three points for the best performer of the week. Two for second best, one for the the third runner up, um, and uh, let, let's let's get into it. I think uh, one point has to go to uh, Heidi Klum and her horrific worm Halloween costume. If you haven't seen this um, and you haven't eaten in the last thirty minutes, give it a Google. If you have eaten, avoid it because it's fucking disgusting. It. She dressed up as a worm for her own Halloween costume. It is. It kind of looks like, you know, when like on Conan, where they would sort of superimpose someone's eyes and mouth onto like, at best, a celebrity, at worst, an inanimate object to make it look like it's talking. That's what this worm looks like. It's horrific. It truly made me feel ill. It's like moist. They've somehow made the outside of this worm look like glistening. Oh, God. I don't know why I'm giving it a point. I, I I give her a point for making it through an entire evening in that dress without just throwing up all over herself. I mean, a point really should go to whoever convinced her that was a good idea because it is truly, oh, man. I've only looked at it sh- very briefly and it and it's still, it still hurts. I don't like it at all. Two points. Uh, two points have to go to uh, the 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 man who dressed up as Hitler for Halloween, and you know, look, say what you like about him, but much like his inspiration, he was courageous if nothing else. It it was a big risk what he did, much like invading Russia, huge risk, and much like invading Russia, doesn't always pay off. So look, fair play to him for having a good old crack at it. Uh, and look, you know, maybe next year, I reckon a Mussolini costume or even uh, a Chairman Mao costume, presuming you don't do the eyes, could could still play. You could definitely get away with a Stalin costume, such is the hypocrisy of history. But uh, yeah, good, good on you for having a go. I'm sorry about the job. Um, I'm sure there is some kind of far right-leaning activist group that you could pick up some kind of volunteer work with, maybe. Um You know, I think the best thing that we can do as a society for people like this is disenfranchise them and uh, push them to the extremes. That always seems to end well. And three points goes to uh, my comedic inspiration, James Corden, for just trying to blatantly rip off a Ricky Gervais joke. No, actually, let me rescind that. Three points goes to whichever writer managed to slip that under the desk for whatever happened, because that's presumably what's happened, right? James Corden hasn't been like, hey, I'm going to go tell that Ricky Gervais joke verbatim. I'm going to pick the one other chubby English widely disliked comic and just start stealing his material. I'm sure no one will pick up on that. No, James Corden has, somebody has fucking stitched him up royally and I'm all for it. That is, that is truly great stuff to put your career on the line like that to, Probably ruin your entire reputation as a writer just to fuck over James Corden and make an already unlikable man a little more unlikable. That's that's just great stuff. You got you got to give credit credit due. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you again for anyone listening to the podcast for the first time. Hey, and to the existing listeners, please keep spreading the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Get him on board. Get him on the show some respect. Respect Tom Whitcomb is sh- talking train. There you go. There's something to do for the next seven days until the next episode comes out. But until then, have a great week. And I'll chat to you soon.